It's been a very emotional morning. Uh, I read a thing in Lurleen's class this morning. It's from the, the grandfather of that little girl, and it's, it's powerful. I shared it on Facebook, but it's, it's basically talking about how in the flesh he, he, wants to, he wants to kill the guy, but in his heart, God's speaking to him and telling him just to forgive. And man, it's powerful. It had me crying, and then Kathy had me crying, so I'm going to try to make it through this today. But I do have a good story I want to tell. Last Monday, or this past Monday, I got to go to an Emmaus meeting in Haskell and introduce my brother as a fourth-day speaker. And my brother, he's lived pretty much the same past that I have. And uh, he called me a while back, and I asked him to go on a walk, and he said, yeah. So I, not only did I get to sponsor him on the walk, but I also got to work that walk. And I was up in the conference room with him, so I got to watch him the whole time as he went from worshiping like this to this to this and just seeing the freedom. And then getting to listen to his testimony on Monday, man, it was just awesome. And then they asked me and him to serve communion together at the end of it. And 20 years ago, communion was the last thing anybody thought me and him would be serving together. And it's just a testimony of just how awesome, how great God is. That after everything that me and him have gone through, everything that me and him have done, God still uses us and still allows us to, to speak in front of others and to just share our stories. So, I'm going to get over that before I start crying again. So, will you stand, please? We're going to read Mark 15, verses 1 through 15. So, it says, Immediately in the morning, the chief priest had a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. And then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast it was a custom to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him, to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he, for he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to him, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate wanted to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he scourged him to be crucified. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity just to come together and just to worship. Father, we just thank you that the, for the freedom that we have just to come together. Father, I pray that this message will touch our hearts and our minds and our souls. Father, I just ask that you will remove me from this situation and let your words flow through me. I love you and I praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So please be seated. So this morning we're going to talk about Barabbas. And I've got to say something. I probably shouldn't say it because it's going to make me look really stupid. But has anybody ever seen that movie, Babe? Where the guy, he's got the little pig and his pig's a sheep farmer. Well... At the end of it, you know, he's trying to get the sheep, the, the pig to be the herd in the sheep 
and it's not working, so one of the dog runs to the sheep, and they're like, what's going on? And he's like, well, you have to give them the password, and it's Baram you. So if when I'm reading Barabbas, I say Baram you, just ignore it, because I, I, when I wrote this all week long, I kept saying it, and I was like, man, come on, I can't do this in church. So if I say it, that's why, so just ignore it and just pretend that it's Barabbas. Okay? So I think a lot of times that we skip over just how important Barabbas is. You know, all I've ever thought about him was he was the man that the Jews influenced into letting go and that he was nothing even more important than that. But he's mentioned in all four Gospels. Matthew 27, 16 says, And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Mark 15, 7 says, And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Luke 23, 18, and they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas. And in John 18, 40, says, Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a murderer. So the fact that all four Gospels, Gospel writers mention him by name is pretty significant. It doesn't happen very often that in all four Gospels the same, the same thing is mentioned, let alone being addressed by name. So if God's put it in there, it must be very important, and we need to look at it a little deeper. So, but before we look at Barabbas, let's back up just a little bit. See, the Jewish people had been waiting for the coming of the promised Messiah for many years. But they had a worldly view of what he would be. They believed that he would come and destroy the Roman Empire. They were looking for someone that was going to free them from oppression, not someone that was going to free them from sin. So over the many years... The religious leaders had twisted the laws so that they could pretty much do whatever they want but still consider themselves righteous. So when Jesus showed up and started explaining to them what the law really meant, they just couldn't stand it. No one wants to be told that what they're doing is a sin. So when the leaders got their feelings hurt, they began to think of ways to get rid of Jesus. How many times do we do that in our life? When somebody starts speaking the truth to us, instead of just submitting to it, we try to get rid of them. We try to run them off. We try to make them look like liars. We try to make them look like fools. And that's just what they did. The Bible says many times that they tried to trick him into saying the wrong thing. But Jesus always outsmarted them. So they came up with a plan. And with Judas' help, they brought Jesus in as a criminal. See, they rushed through the trial so that none of Jesus' followers could be there. And they had plenty lined up to give false testimony towards him. But Jesus never answered any of their accusations toward him other than saying that it is as you say when they asked if he was the son of God. So the Jews accused him of blasphemy, but they knew that the Romans didn't care about that. So when they took him to Pilate, they had to accuse him of other things. So they accused him of not paying taxes, of claiming that he was the king, and of causing riots all over the countryside. See, tax evasion, treason, Terrorism, that's something that would get the Romans' attention. But again, Jesus never defended himself. And that right there is just a testimony. of Jesus knew what he was fixing to go through. He knew the pain and suffering that he was fixing to endure, and yet he just stayed quiet and took it for each one of us. But see, Pilate was warned by his wife to not harm Jesus, so he tried everything he could do to let Jesus go. And like I said, like the Mark said, it was a tradition during the Passover to let somebody go, let a prisoner go, 
And Pilate suggested Jesus. But the Jewish leaders enticed the crowd to pick Barabbas. So just who was Barabbas? The scripture, from Scripture we can learn that he was a murderer, a thief, a rioter. He was probably a freedom fighter that took his actions too far. He was the type of person that the Jewish people were seeking. Someone that was going to fight for them and free them from Rome. Someone that was going to give them the worldly kingdom. See, Barabbas wasn't just a random inmate. He was well known and probably considered a hero by many for his willingness to fight against the Romans. He was the type of savior that they were looking for. One that would save them from the Romans, not one that would save them from their sins. So God put this on my heart a week ago, Saturday, and it was kind of funny how it happened. God does weird things in my life. We were at Thanksgiving with my wife's family, and one of our uncles was telling us that his boss went out of town and uh, asked him to feed his animals. So he was telling us he's got three dogs, he's got a potbelly pig, and he's got a wild boar. And the wild boar's name was Barabbas. So from that moment on, it was just stuck in my head. And I was like, really, God, Barabbas? This is how you tell me through a, pop, through a wild pig? So I'd never put much thought into Barabbas or even how important he was in the story of Jesus. Never really paid attention that he's mentioned in all four Gospels. So when God put it on my heart, I knew I needed to spend some time studying and meditating over who he was. On why the Jewish people would choose him over, over Jesus. So the more I studied and thought about Barabbas, I began to realize who he was and why he's so important. He's me. He's you. He was the one guilty of committing the crimes or the sins that Jesus was punished for. He was the one pardoned from the death sentence that Jesus received. So in biblical times, Jewish men had the names that identified with them with their fathers. For example, Simon Peter was actually called Simon Bar-Jonah, meaning Simon, the son of Jonah. Barabbas isn't identified by a given name, although in some of the early manuscripts, it refers to him as Jesus Barabbas. In Matthew, there's no proof of that being his name. But Barabbas means son of Abba, or son of Daddy. So he could have been anyone's son, and that's just the point. So I want to look at the story of Barabbas in two separate views. One from the people in the crowd, and the other from Barabbas himself. So first I want to look at why the, cho why the crowd chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. They chose Barabbas because he asked nothing in return. No self-examination, no repentance, no acts of mercy or forgiveness. See, Jesus, on the other hand, he makes people feel uncomfortable. He was exposing the hypocrisy of religion. He was treating women, the children, and the poor as if they were people worth loving. He ate with crooks. He even had the nerve to heal on the Sabbath and even forgave people of their sins. You know, every time we refuse to forgive someone for what they've done, we choose Barabbas over Jesus. You see, the crowd chose Barabbas that day because truth demands certain things from us. It causes us to grow up, causes us to stretch and re-examine our innermost thoughts and to make sacrifices that we would rather not make. Truth causes us to break the mode that we live in, that we want to hang on to because there's comfort in conformity. We might be required to change some things in our lives, and who really wants to do that? Everyone always says they want the truth, but do they really? Because the truth has the same qualities as the lot. 
It exposes every dark place, every crevice, every selfish and sinful motive. We want a truth that doesn't require us to change. We prefer Barabbas because he doesn't call us out. He lets us do what we want. Truth points out the things we would rather not hear. It makes us defensive, angry, irrational, until the next thing we know, we're rooting for Barabbas with no idea how we got so far lost. You see, we consider ourselves good and decent people. Then out of nowhere, a splash of the truth comes in and shocks us out of our self-satisfaction. It can trigger such discomfort that we reach for affirmation from anywhere we can find it, no matter how dangerous the source is. We run to the people that we know will tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear, and definitely not what the Bible says. It causes us to start recrafting the truth to fit our image so we don't have to wrestle with the possibility that we could possibly be wrong. We pick and choose what verses we want to follow. We twist the words around to make it conform to us instead of us conforming to the Bible. And we only associate with people that live the same lifestyle as us so that we don't feel guilty and we never have to grow. You see, we look back now and think, man, if they had only known who Jesus really was, how big of a mistake they would be making and would have never asked for Barabbas to be released. But how often do, but if we're honest, how often do we call for Barabbas today? How often do we point out other people's sins in order to deflect the attention of our own sins? How many times do we boast and brag about the things that we've done and the stuff that we have? How many times do we choose the things of the world over the relationship with the Father? You see, after putting some thought into it, it's really easy to see why the crowd chose Barabbas that day. So now let's look at the story from Barabbas' view. At the simplest thought, it's the story of exchange. Barabbas is due to die for his crimes, and he deserves it. Yet without doing anything to receive mercy, he discovers that Jesus is going to die instead. Imagine waking up on Friday morning, expecting nothing more than a slow, painful death. But by evening, you're at home with your family getting ready to celebrate the Sabbath. But this wasn't just a mere exchange. It was a substitution. Jesus didn't die instead of Barabbas. Jesus died in place of Barabbas as a substitute. I mentioned it earlier that both Jesus and Barabbas were accused of the same crimes. However, it was the innocent man that took the punishment of the guilty party. See, I've done a lot of things in my life. And we all have a past. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Most of us have probably went through times where we didn't feel worthy of having God's love. Some of us have had times where we felt that there's just no way so much bad things happening in our lives that God could love us. But here's the truth. The cross was enough. We are forgiven and we are loved. See, Barabbas was a revolutionary, revolutionary and a murderer. He has no right to be remembered at all, let alone to be held up as an example of divine grace. But that's the whole point. Neither do I. And Christ died for me anyways. And through his substitution, I became Barabbas, a son of the Father. So we're going to close today. And I would like to speak about this little girl that passed away or that was taken from us. And I know that it, it's a hard time and it's hard to just understand and it's hard to even think that I mean, how many of us have packages delivered to us on a daily basis? 
And this man came and he took this little girl. You know, that's the evilness of this world. It's the evilness that we've all become way too familiar with and too comfortable with. And man, if we want to change it, we've got to change our hearts. We've got to change our minds. We've got to change the way we look at things. We've got to really start living this Bible out instead of just coming here on Sunday mornings for an hour and then going back and living the worldly lifestyle. You know, this is a battle. This is a huge battle between life and death, between good and evil, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop until, the, until Jesus returns. And I'm tired of watching the evilness in this world. I'm tired of seeing it, and I'm tired of seeing Satan just walk around, not even hiding anymore because we've just accepted it. So I encourage you, I encourage each of you to just truly search your hearts and your souls and, and to forget about what the world tells you is good and what the world tells you is, it's okay and what the world tells you is not a sin anymore. And listen to what God tells you. Listen to what the Bible tells you. So we're going to open up the altar for anyone that wants to receive Jesus for the first time, anyone that wants to join the church, or if anybody just needs prayer. So we'll have a song. I'll pray, and the altar will be open. So will you stand? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message that you put on my heart, Father. I just uh, I want to pray for this little girl and her family and the whole community of Paradise. Father, I know that they're struggling. I know that there's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of doubt and just a lot of suffering, Father. And I just pray that you'll just put your arms around this community and you'll just show your love, Father. Father, I just encourage each and every one of us to just search our hearts and our souls and our minds, Father, just to, and just to ask you to come into our lives deeper, Father, that we can be all in for you, Father. We love you. I praise you. I ask your things in Jesus' name. Amen.